welcome to another episode of Social Studies on the Go. We are going to be doing Module 6, Lesson 1 at a record pace today. But first, we like to start with something funny. How does the man on the moon cut his hair? Eclipse it. Haha, <laughs> eclipse. All right, here we go. So, establishing the Constitution. Constitutional Convention. The Confederation Congress invited each state to, stand, to send delegates to a convention with the goal of improving the Articles of Confederation. The convention opened on May 25, 1787, in Philadelphia. The first order of business was to nominate a president for the convention. Every delegate voted for the hero of the revolution, George Washington. The 55 delegates to the <laughs> Constitutional Convention, as the Philadelphia meeting became known, were a very impressive group. Many had been members of their state legislatures and had helped write their state constitutions. Roger Sherman, a Connecticut delegate, was a signer of the Declaration of Independence and the Articles of Confederation. Pennsylvania's Governor Morris had also signed the Articles of Confederation. Pennsylvania delegate James Wilson was known for his brilliant legal mind. Virginia delegate James Madison contributed many ideas that shaped the Constitution. Some key people did not attend. Thomas Jefferson and John Adams were overseas at their diplomatic posts. Others had political objections. For example, Patrick Henry, who had been elected as a delegate from Virginia, refused to go. He said he, quote, smelled a rat, tending toward monarchy. Also, the convention did not reflect the diverse U.S. population of the 1780s. There were no Native Americans, African Americans, or women among the delegates. These groups of people were not recognized as citizens or were not inv invited to attend. The Great Compromise. By 1787, many Americans realized that the nation needed a government that could keep order. They wanted a government that was strong enough to protect individual rights, but also not so strong that it would oppress them. As the convention began, the delegates disagreed about what form the new government would take. Edmund Randolph of Virginia presented the Virginia Plan. He proposed a new federal constitution that would give supreme power to the central government. The legislature would be made up of two houses of representatives. States with larger populations would have more representatives than would smaller states. Delegates from the small states feared that this plan would give large states too much power. New Jersey delegate William Patterson represented an alternative plan, the New Jersey Plan called for a one-house legislature. According to this plan, each state would have an equal number of votes in the federal government. The plan gave the federal government the power to tax citizens, and it allowed the government to regulate commerce. The delegates tr struggled to solve the problem of representation in the legislature. In early July, a committee led by Roger Sherman and other delegates from Connecticut offered a deal known as the great compromise. The legislative branch would have two houses. To satisfy the smaller states, each state would have an equal number of votes in the Senate. To satisfy the larger states, representation in the House of Reps was according to state populations. Compromises on slavery. Because representation in the House of Representatives would be based on the population of each state, the delegates had to decide who would be counted in their populations. Representation based on population raised the question of whether slaves could be counted as people. The southern states had many more slaves than the northern states. Southerners wanted the slaves to be counted as part of their population for representation, 
but not for taxation. Northerners, whose states had few slaves, argued that the slaves were not citizens and should not be counted for representation, but should be counted for taxation. The delegates reached an agreement known as the Three-Fifths Compromise. Three-fifths of the slave population would be counted for both purposes. That's representation and taxation. Representation in the legislature and taxation. Uh, the delegates had another point of disagreement. Some of the delegates believed slavery was wrong and wanted the federal government to ban the slave trade. Others said the southern states' economies needed the slave trade. The delegates from South Carolina and Georgia stated that they would never accept any plan unless their right to import slaves be untouched. Again, the delegates settled on a compromise. On August 29th, they agreed that Congress could not ban the slave trade until 1808. A new system of government. Most convention delegates wanted a strong national government. At the same time, they hoped to protect popular sovereignty. The idea that political authority belongs to the people. Americans had boldly declared this idea in the Declaration of Independence. The framers of the Constitution divided the national government into three branches. The legislative branch is responsible for proposing and passing laws. It is made up of the Senate and the House of Representatives. The executive branch includes the president and the departments that help run the government. The executive branch makes sure that laws are carried out. The judicial branch is made up of all the national courts. This branch interprets laws, punishes criminals, and settles disputes between states. The Constitution also includes a system of checks and balances. Lots of vocab on this one which keep any branch of the government from becoming too powerful. For example, Congress has the power to pass bills into law. The president has the power to veto laws that Congress passes. Congress can then override the president's veto with a two-thirds majority vote. The Supreme Court has the power to review laws passed by Congress and strike down any laws that violate the Constitution. To balance the power between the national and state governments, the delegates created the system of federalism. Federalism is the sharing of power between a central government and the states that make up a country. The Constitution requires each state to obey the authority of the federal or national government. States have control over government functions not specifically assigned to the federal government. The framers of the Constitution also included a method for changing or adding to the Constitution. They wanted the government to be able to adapt as changes were needed. The process for amending or adding amendments to the Constitution was made difficult. Major changes to the government would require the approval of two-thirds of each House of Congress and three-fourths of states before it could take effect. That's to make a change or an amendment to the Constitution. On September 17, 1787, the delegates passed the Constitution. All but three of the 42 delegates present signed the Constitution. Even though the Constitution was adopted by the convention, delegates continued to debate the power of state governments. Sorry, lost my place. Um, and the role of each branch of the national government. 
Federalists and Anti-Federalists. The framers of the Constitution knew that the document would cause controversy. At once, they began to campaign for ratification or approval of the Constitution. Concerns of the Federalists. The framers suspected that people might be afraid that the Constitution would take too much power away from the states. To address this fear, the framers explained that the Constitution was based on federalism. Linking themselves to the idea of federalism, the people who supported the Constitution took the name Federalists. You guessed it. The Federalists promoted their views and answered their critics in a series of essays known as the Federalist Papers. Three well-known politicians wrote the Federalist Papers, James Madison, Alexander Hamilton, and John Jay. These essays first appeared as letters in the New York newspapers. Calling for ratification of the Constitution, the Federalist Papers appealed both to reason and emotion. Concerns of the Anti-Federalists. The Anti-Federalists, people who opposed the Constitution, thought the Constitution took too much power away from the states and did not guarantee the rights of the people. Some feared that a strong president might be declared king. Others feared Senate might become a powerful ruling class. In either case, they thought the liberties fiercely won during the revolution might be lost. Anti-Federalists received support from rural areas where people feared a strong government that might add to the tax burden. Large states and those with strong economies, such as New York, also were supportive of the Constitution at first, ratifying the Constitution. The proposed U.S. Constitution contained no guarantee that the government would protect the rights of the people or the states. Some supporters of the Constitution, including Thomas Jefferson, wanted to add a Bill of Rights, a formal summary of citizens' rights and freedoms, as a set of amendments to the Constitution. Ratification process. Anti-Federalists wanted written guarantees that the people would have their individual freedoms protected. In the end, Federalists yielded to the people's demands and promised to add a Bill of Rights if the states ratified the Constitution. In December of 1787, Delaware, New Jersey, and Pennsylvania voted for ratification. In January 1788, Georgia and Connecticut ratified the Constitution, followed by Massachusetts in early February. By late June, nine states had ratified. The Constitution was officially ratified with nine votes. It was vital, however, to get the support of Virginia, the largest state. James Madison recommended that Virginia ratify the Constitution with the addition of a Bill of Rights. After bitter debate at the end of June, Virginia narrowly ratified the Constitution with 89 in favor and 79 opposed. The news of Virginia's vote arrived while the New York Convention was in debate. Until then, the Anti-Federalists had outnumbered the Federalists. But with Virginia's ratification, New Yorkers decided to join the Union. New York also called for a Bill of Rights. It would be another year before North Carolina ratified the Constitution, followed by Rhode Island in 1790. By then, the new Congress had already written a Bill of Rights and submitted it to the states for approval. Bill of Rights. Madison, who took office in the first Congress in the winter of 1789, took up the cause of the Bill of Rights. In September 1789, Congress opposed 12 amendments and sent them uh, to the states for ratification. By December 1791, the states had ratified the Bill of Rights. Ten of the proposed amendments intended to protect citizens' rights. Of these amendments to the Constitution, the first nine guaranteed basic individual freedoms, including freedom of religion, of speech, and of the press. 
taken as a whole. The Bill of Rights creates an invisible, invisible but powerful shield that protects people from the government abuse. But the Bill of Rights was more than that. It was the first step in making the Constitution a living document, one that can be amended to reflect the changes in society. The Constitu Constitutional Convention provided for such changes. Two-thirds of each House of Congress or two-thirds of the state legislatures can propose an amendment. To become law, an amendment then needs the approval of three-fourths of the states. By this process, the Bill of Rights became the first ten amendments. Thanks a lot for listening, and we'll see you next time on Social Studies on the Go.